Hi, and welcome to this day. It's going to be a little bit different. In fact, our in-service, in-person, and the online today are very different. And so my hope is that as we do something different today, that you will gain something new, that you will be encouraged, and that you will come into an experience of God for your life. So as we begin, let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, to this moment. Come upon us, open us up to new understandings, to new ways of thinking, to new ways of living. May we come to this moment knowing that your grace covers us and moves us forth in new ways. Come Holy Spirit, as we read the words of scripture, may we be encouraged, may we gain wisdom, may we go out from this moment knowing you are with us. Amen. Today, we are looking at Luke, the 19th chapter, starting in verse 11 through 14. As they listened to this, Jesus told them another parable because he was near Jerusalem and they thought God's kingdom would appear right away. He said, a certain man who was born into royalty went to a distant land to receive his kingdom and then return. He called together 10 servants and gave each of them money worth four months wages. He said, do business with this until I return. His citizens hated him. So they sent a representative after him who said, we don't want this man to be our king. All right. So the first thing to know about parables as we're getting into one is that Jesus used those as a teaching tool. They were generally stories with all kinds of layers. In fact, they have so many layers that depending upon where we are in our lives, depending upon how many times we've even read through, we should be gaining yet another perspective, another way of understanding, another way of being challenged by the parable. They're not always easy to figure out. And generally, the moment we think we've got something, something new is present. It's also meant to be a challenge to our lives in the sense that every aspect that we probably at some point that we actually have struggled in it. And so with this parable, we start out with this king and some have wanted to make the king God, but that's really, we need to be really careful about this because right, it starts out, this guy's hated. Like the king is hated and he's off to go collect more land. He's like, I'm ready. Give me more kingdom, Woo, more power, more money. And so he brings in 10 servants and these 10 servants, right? All they're told is here's four months wages, go and do business with it. He gives them no more instruction. And can you imagine, right? Being called in more placed on your plate by a guy who's hated because he is controlling, he is brutal, he can be mean. And if you don't perform the way he wants you to perform, even though he's not gonna tell you how to do it, like there could be consequences, right? I mean, this is kind of like the world, right? Sometimes we feel like the world begins to be put upon us. Like there are expectations upon us that are like, wait a minute, but you didn't actually tell me what you wanted or we feel the weight of the world coming in. Maybe we feel like the only adult in the room. 
all right, well, I've got to clean it up. I've got to do something. I mean, I've got to take care of it. This guy's leaving. The guy in charge is leaving, and I'm supposed to do his business in the way that he wants. I'm supposed to keep everything perfect. Have you ever felt that way? Weight of the world, so much coming on. Or like you're the only adult in the room, the only one who can take care of business. Everybody else gets to go off and have some fun. And so this parable, all of a sudden, right? This parable may be 2,000 years old, but this parable begins to sound a little bit maybe like what we deal with today because we deal with people that don't necessarily like us. We don't necessarily like them. We deal with events and situations that are weighty, that are a burden, that are kind of crushing in on us, and we have to figure it out with no instruction manual. Life has no instruction manual, and here we are going, wait a minute, what in the world is going to happen? Continuing on in verses 15 through 17. After receiving his kingdom, he returned and called the servants to whom he had given money to find out how much they had earned. The first servant came forward and said, your money has earned a return of 1,000%. The king replied, excellent. You are a good servant because you have been faithful in a small matter. You have authority over 10 cities, right? First servant, a thousand percent return. And then in verse 18 and 19, we get the second servant. The second servant came and said, Master, your money has made a return of 500%. To this one, the king said, you have the authority over five cities. King comes back. First servant comes in, 1,000% return. Second servant, 500% return. Just to be clear, if those returns were happening today, we'd probably be like, did you do something like illegal, right? Like, how'd you get that? So we, we get this, the good news first. King, the hated one, comes back, the brutal one, the one that instills fear in others comes back, and one of them's got, nope, I figured this out, and I made you a whole bunch of money. And then the second one's like, yep, I made you not quite that much, but I made you a whole bunch. And so the king is happy. And so it begins to kind of actually challenge us in a couple of ways. One is this sense of what we have been given what do we produce with it, right? What are the things that we produce with the abilities that we've been given, with the resources we've been given? How do we utilize and make something better? How do we make the world a better place around us? And yet this second thing comes up with the king of going, wait a minute, what actually makes you happy? Because the king isn't a good guy in this story. The king is just one of the characters, and whether or not we are falling in the place of feeling like the overburdened servant at the time, feeling like the one of, wait a minute, like, I had these abilities and I was able to do good on top of the world, hallelujah, or the king who has, like, all right, I like that, like, give me more, give me more, you do, you do this stuff for me? Kind of sit back, relax, be all comfortable. At different times in our lives, we may be different characters. And so when we hear this about the servants coming in and doing so much good with what they've been given, right? It kind of builds us up. It's like, yes, 
I want to be that servant. I want to be the one who's given abilities, who's been given these resources. I want to be able to do good and it to spread, right? Because now the one is made in charge of 10 cities, the other in charge of five. Yes, I want to be that good. I want to impact so many others. Now we get a turn in the story. Verse 20 through 23. Another servant came and said, Master, here is your money. I wrapped it up in a scarf for safekeeping. I was afraid of you because you are a stern man. You withdraw what you haven't deposited and you harvest what you haven't planted. The king replied, I will judge you by the words of your own mouth, you worthless servant. You knew, did you? That I'm a stern man withdrawing what I didn't deposit and harvesting what I didn't plant? Why then didn't you put my money in the bank? Then when I arrived, at least I could have gotten it back with interest. So the king goes, yeah, no, I know I'm a terrible human being and that I mistreat people and that I induce fear. And so why weren't you so afraid that you took different steps? And here's that thing, right? Sometimes when we get afraid, when we've got those fears bubble up, it like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to go forward. And the servant wasn't told what to do. He just said, do business with it. And so the servant's fears kind of overtook of how to go forward, of how to move through. And there are times, right? There are times where the fears and the anxieties get us going, get us moving, and we kind of begin to lose perspective. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to go forward. And so then when the servant even hears more, right? You know what I'm going to do to you? How awful is that? Sometimes we're the ones that are in the state of fear, and other times we may be the ones that are facilitating, that are not helpful in that of tearing someone else down when they're at their lowest because we don't actually know what in the world is going on. And so here we've got this challenge. Here we've got this moment of going, wait a minute, have we ever been in that place? Do we feel, do we empathize with the servant? Do we empathize with how to move forward? Do we empathize with all of them? of going, wait a minute, I know I've done this, I know I've been that, and yet Jesus is going, none of us are going to get out of this. All, All of us play some part, have some role, have this position at some point, and which are we? Which are we at the moment? What are we feeling? Where are we in this story? And how do we even begin to think about moving forward? Finishing up the parable, verses 24 through 27 is the parable, but we'll finish in 28. He said to his attendants, take his money and give it to the one who has ten times as much. But master, they said, he already has ten times as much. He replied, I say to you that everyone who, has, who will have, <laughs> that everyone who has will be given more, 
But those who have nothing, even what they have, will be taken away. As for my enemies who don't want me as their king, bring them here and slaughter them before me. After Jesus said this, he continued on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. That's disturbing, right? Maybe not the disturbing part of going, okay, I can understand that with the gifts and abilities and the resources that we've been given, we need to be able to do good. Like they're not to be held onto by ourselves, that we need to be going out, we need to be helping and encouraging one another, we need to be sharing those abilities and resources with others in a multitude of ways. We need to be that good in the world. We need to be bringing about something better there's that saying that I, I try to live by, it doesn't always work, but it's that saying of better than yesterday, better today than yesterday, or, you know, I'm trying to leave this place a better place, I'm trying to leave it better than what I found it. And so we get that element to it. But then the king becomes cruel, which is also an indication where Jesus is not making a connection between the king and God, right? The king is like, you know what? Just take out all of my enemies. Just do away with. And anybody, you know what? If you squandered that, then I'm taking it away and I'm giving it to somebody else. There's a harshness to it, but there's a harshness in our realities, right? There's a harshness in the way that we live, in the way that when we feel the weight of the world, because maybe the king isn't somebody else. Maybe the king is our inner voice who says, wow, you screwed that up. Can't you do any better? Maybe the king is an outside voice, but what if it's also an inner voice who tries to tear apart and discourage and say you can't. And here's where the story should really challenge us of going, okay, if that's the case, who am I in this story? What part am I struggling with? Because it's all about struggle and challenge. Parables are all about struggle, challenge, and going forward. And so how do we understand? How do we go forward? And what's interesting about this particular parable, this is the parable that Jesus tells right before he goes into the city of Jerusalem, his last week of life, before he faces death, that cruel, cruel death, and then the resurrection, that life, that nothing can kill God, that nothing can kill love, that love will conquer all, that God will not leave us. And so to think about this parable and the cruelty of this world, whether it's an internal and external, whether we feel like the weight of the world, whether or not we are overcome with fears, or even if we realize our abilities, the gifts that we have been given and are able to go out and do good, how do we begin to think about this in connection to God? And with Jesus telling it, especially at this moment, Jesus is giving us a sense of trying to ask, where is the grace in this? Where's the grace from that king? Where is the grace of the servants? Where is God's grace in propelling us forward? Because God is merciful. God is forgiving. Yes, God does absolutely challenge us to take different paths, but God is always calling to us in that grace to do so. 
And so how are we allowing that grace of God into our lives, into our lives, whether or not we are surrounded by friend or foe? Because right, there's that interesting line, as for my enemies who don't want me as their king, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Just a reminder, Jesus is the one who says you've got to pray for your enemies. Jesus is the one who says, right, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so to go, wait a minute, where is God in this? And when we leave God out, when we leave God out of the equation, when we leave God out of our lives, that fear can creep in. Maybe we don't do well with the abilities and gifts that we've been given. Maybe we become that cruel king, whether internally to ourselves or externally to others, that when we remove God's love and God's grace from our lives, that we set it aside and stuff happens like this, where we shake our heads and are like, oh man, that's, ow, why? Because when we don't understand or we don't experience God's grace for us, which is always there, ready to build us up, God's grace of that mercy, forgiveness, but also that challenge of moving forward in new directions. When we don't experience God's grace, we, don't, we aren't able to extend it to ourselves and certainly not to others. And so the challenge of this parable is to begin to ask those questions of who are we in this moment? Who are we? And where's God's grace? Where are we allowing God's grace to take over our lives and say, nope, I, I get it. You got fearful, but you're still mine. You are still worthy. You still have a choice. You can still go a different path. How do we allow God's grace? to infiltrate every single element of our lives. Whether we are the servant, any of them, or that voice of the king. How will we allow God's grace into our lives today?